Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Minnesota. Kristen Lyerly in OBGYN is on the Fox River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die happy? Hello and welcome to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bangstead. I'm Kristen Lyerly. I'm Pat Kreitlow, and on the show this week, when the fringe gains power and the zealots are calling the shots from just a handful of right-wingers who happen to be Supreme Court justices to extremists on our school boards, we are living in an era a lot of us considered unthinkable, believing that facts and logic would win out over anger and misinformation and bullying, and and yet here we are. So we'll talk to a couple of people from Sparta about the extremists who've made their town the latest stop in a trail of attacks on public education, and we'll talk about the Wisconsin impacts already being felt by the repeal of Roe v. Wade. But first, we have to address the fact that this show is completely topsy-turvy right now because... While, while Kirk on the video feed appears to have Lake Monaco behind him, he's in an undisclosed location. And I know it's not a virtual background for Kristen. She's actually at the Monaco Brewing Company. Hey, I'm at the Monaco Brewing Company with a bunch of my new friends and more beer than you could even begin to drink. And all of this merch. This is such a beautiful place, Kirk. Wow. Kirk, she's drinking your profit margin, man. Uh, Kristen has always... Kristen has always said she gets free beer for being a host on our, our podcast. And I said, it's yeah, that that is our deal. I don't pay her a ton. In fact, I pay her zilch. So she gets as much free beer as she wants to be on our podcast. And thank you, Kristen. I I, I, I am not there. I, I do have this background. It shows Mid Lake, which is about a mile away from you. But I, I will admit I'm in Mexico at the moment. Uh, so it's funny. You are at my store and I am not in the country. So uh, thank you for representing Monaco today. And this, this you feels will like... live to regret this offer, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> it, it you do. I, I've that... heard you have I heard you have a, a big left leg that just just holds booze like none other. Oh, there we go. We've got your choice seltzers there. She's I believe she's ready for this next commercial break. Um, this I'm this so is ready. awfully reminiscent of somebody else trying to stage a coup. Um, it, it could be that Kristen's running the Monaco Brewing Company before you can get back in the country here, Kirk. So remember that they, they, they just might hold you back. Um, we, we, I, I would like to be there with you um, in, in either one of those places. They're lovely, but um, I, I am uh, wrestling with the the continued onslaught of, of, a, of a rapidly approaching senior citizenship. And I, I have this new theory. Now we all, did you have baby books when you were little, did your mom or whatever, write your first words in there. And when you got your first tooth and when you took your first step, I believe that maybe we need to keep that going all through life because yesterday was a milestone in, in my life where it's like, today was the first time I uttered the words, Hey, wearing this knee brace all day was a good thing. Um, and <laughs> Kirk, you're, you're the surfer. I kind of thought you'd be bionic, you know, before, before I am here. Oh, Pat, I hear you. Uh, believe it or not. I, I feel sorry for you, but I actually had a knee problem for the last week as well. Cause I've been surfing and I dinged it up pretty badly. So I, while it might not be caused by, 
you know, my aging years, like I understand getting up, get up and feeling cranky. Kristen is, is is shedding tears for us. Cause didn't you like break your leg in 15 places or something? What, what? Yeah. I shattered it pretty badly and then I had to have three surgeries on it, but you guys keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care. She's getting free beer today. So that's all right. It's good anesthesia right there. That's right. Hey, all our we, leg pains. When we come back, we'll talk to Kristen more about how the state is getting national and global attention. But once again, for all the wrong reasons, that's coming up after the break. You're up North. Welcome back to the Up North podcast. In this segment, we're going to talk about the impact of the repeal of abortion rights here in Wisconsin. Yeah, and of course, Kristen, being an OBGYN, has a lot to tell us, so it won't take long to set things up here. Basically, Wisconsin seems to be one of a handful of states, think Texas and Ohio, uh, to get a preponderance of national attention. And part of the reason is that unique circumstance that we have an 1849 law that kicks back in with the repeal of Roe v. Wade. There's now a full ban on abortion except to save the life of the woman, but no exceptions for rape or incest. And Assembly Speaker Robin Voss now says they're not likely to to create one next time the Republicans uh, meet in the legislature. And that 1849 language is, is a little hazy in this modern medical era. So a couple of docs in Wisconsin decided not to lay low, but to speak out on some of the very real things that are already happening and what it means to health care for women moving forward. Um, one of those docs refusing to take this injustice without pushing back is our own Kristen Lyerly. So, Kristen, you have appeared on CBS, on MSNBC. You've written for the Financial Times. Um, tell us about a couple of other Wisconsin OBGYNs who've been speaking out as well. And what's happening to women with complicated pregnancies, which, to be clear, can be pretty much any pregnancy. There's there's no such thing as a routine pregnancy, Kristen. It's really true. I mean, you guys know you have OBGYNs in your personal lives. Pregnancy is a complicated situation. Rarely does somebody just skate through it without any issues. But sometimes it can be really dangerous and scary. There's so much to talk about here. But I really wanted to highlight a Wisconsin story that was covered earlier this week in the Washington Post that highlights one aspect of the fallout from the repeal of Roe. This is a patient who, I'm going to try not to sound too much like a doctor presenting a case, but she belonged to a friend of mine here in Wisconsin. And we invited my friend to be on the show, but unfortunately, she wasn't able to get permission from her employer, which brings up another really important issue. These stories, like the 10-year-old rape victim in Ohio, Look at all the press that that got. People were completely shocked by that. As if it never happened, you know, is the thing, is the thing, right? Right. I mean, I know she's 10 and she's young, but, you know, we see preteens who are in this situation, not uncommonly. I think it Mm -hmm. would be rare for an OBGYN to go through training and practice and not have a situation very similar. Kristen, talk about, just introduce all the guests, uh, people listening to what that case story was in case they haven't read about it. Oh, sure. So there was a young girl in Ohio who was a a victim of rape and she became pregnant, but Ohio has a total abortion ban. So she went to Indiana where she met a physician who provides comprehensive OBGYN care, including abortion care. And that doctor 
helped her. She provided a wonderful, compassionate experience for this traumatized little girl. And in doing so, this physician then spoke out like we have to, like we have to speak out on behalf of our patients. And she said, it's injustices like these that we don't capture in this abortion debate, that abortion is healthcare. Well, the media turned on her. So everybody from the Washington Post to Tucker Carlson questioned whether she was telling the truth about this, as if this was something that was completely impossible, totally unheard of, but it was real and it was substantiated and it has been followed up on appropriately. But in the meantime, go ahead. So, yeah. So I wanted to separate the two issues here. One of the issues is a a 10 year old girl was raped, which is Mm -hmm. horrible. And and Republicans and apparently some of the mainstream media question whether or not that actually happened. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's terrible. But the second issue, right, is that this doctor who performed the abortion in Indiana is now what uh, potentially going to be prosecuted for doing so or mm-hmm. or the attorney general of Indiana is coming after her or something. And, and, even, if, go- and even if that doc never faces charges, the mere threat of them, the very, very public, very, very political threat made by that attorney general to even do that is designed to have a chilling effect, Kristen, on, on doctors like like you and others. That's all it's designed to do. I mean, this doctor did everything right. She's experienced. She filed all the right paperwork. She did it within the right period of time. But still, he filed this case against her. It is so, I can't even tell you how unsettling it is to be a physician in a difficult situation like this. All you want to do is take care of your patient. And this happens. How (laughs) we feel threatened. So since this happened in Indiana, we in Wisconsin have the same type of a criminal penalty that is possible. We could be charged with a felony for providing compassionate standard of care medicine to our patients. And I have heard OBGYN's leaders here in Wisconsin questioning, am I going to be able to stay here and practice medicine or is it too risky? Well, and because you're seeing cases that, you know, as you were saying earlier, aren't really as rare as people might think. It's just that you have to, you have to protect patient privacy and, mm-hmm. you know, you have all, all kinds of other, you know, institutional rules that are out there. This is not the kind of thing that typically goes to the media, except mm-hmm. that now we're in the kind of circumstance where it's like, people got to know, people have to know how this, how this all really works. And that's what leads us to the stories we're talking about in this segment. I know that, um, now, NBC News uh, did a story about Heather Martell from Chippewa Falls here talking about, you know, her very difficult decision, uh, finding out that, you know, the, the fetus she was carrying was was going to have severe, severe problems to that would lead to a short but agonizing life. Uh, if, you know, if that baby were to deliver and, you know, Kristen, you and others have, have dealt already with, with other cases of, of women in danger and in danger of, of receiving substandard care. Mm -hmm. All the time. That's part of what we do. There's a branch of obstetrics and gynecology called maternal fetal medicine, where that's all they do is deal with high-risk pregnancies and pregnancy complications. And these people are really the most impacted because they need pregnancy termination as an option for their patients who don't have normal pregnancies. Remember, having an abortion has risks, but carrying a pregnancy to term is significantly riskier. So in these tender situations like Heather's, where kudos to Heather for being able to share her story, 
how hard is it as a patient, having gone through all of those things in the worst time in your life to have to relive it as you're telling your story so that others don't have to go through it. I mean, the bravery is just, wow. And so, then, Chris, and I was going to say, then there was the one in that, that was covered in the Washington Post with the, you know, again, you're, you're going to come into more cases like this of, of severe bleeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was a patient who had a miscarriage. So this patient already had a hard time finding a provider who was able to take care of her. She actually sought care at a free clinic because she was bleeding. She thought she had her period. So she went in to get contraception and was diagnosed with a pregnancy. She continued to bleed and ended up going to an emergency department, was evaluated, turned away, went to another emergency department with pain and bleeding. Pain and bleeding in early pregnancy to me is an ectopic pregnancy until you rule that out. So she got an ultrasound and with her ultrasound, they diagnosed a miscarriage, but they didn't offer her treatment because apparently they didn't know that they could offer her treatment. Now, to be clear, treatment of a miscarriage is the same thing that we do to perform an abortion. So there's a a medical way to do it and there's a surgical way to do it. But this patient was offered nothing. She was sent home and she bled for two weeks until she found my colleague who was able to treat her in a very, again, compassionate, appropriate, evidence-based way. And when my colleague treated her, she had to find another person in her office, another physician to help document and make sure that the physician said, this is a miscarriage and this is why we're prescribing this medication because we're having to cover our asses, to be totally honest with you. It's just absolutely ridiculous that we can't even treat a failed pregnancy because of all the confusion. So Kristen, I mean, uh, let me just get, make sure the listeners understand this happened in Wisconsin. This didn't happen Mm -hmm. in Ohio or Indiana. This woman, and it it made the news. And that's why I think we're talking about it again this week, even though we talked about Roe being overturned probably two weeks ago. We, we can't leave this topic because Wisconsin is at is at the forefront of women being hurt by this. Mm-hmm. This woman bled uh, unnecessarily for two weeks because there is confusion. It's and there's confusion in the healthcare system as to what they can do and what people might lose their licenses for. Now, mm-hmm. we've heard that Attorney General Josh Call won't prosecute, or or you know he won't prosecute folks that. Uh, that get provide abortions, but, but there's an election in November. Mm-hmm. And, and so how can any doctor, uh, you know, really know if, if, if she, he or she provides an abortion, whether or not she might, you know, somebody might come after her if call loses in mm-hmm. November. Right. Yeah, so really not, pr- not prosecuting uh, somebody who gives an abortion is, is, is kind of it's a good start, but it's it's still not going to change the fact that that doctors are, are have their backs against the wall right now. Can you right. talk more about that? Because, I mean, you're you're an OBGYN like we shouldn't be blaming doctors for not helping uh, women who are bleeding. We should be blaming a law that got overturned. Yeah. I mean, we're very grateful to the attorney general. We're very grateful to the governor for offering clemency, those are two things that they can do. And of course, there's the lawsuit that they filed to help us provide clarity to this 1849 law that does not have exceptions for rape or incest, because the the exception for the health of the mother, for the the life of the mother, is really not well defined. And at what Mm -hmm. point, I know when the life of the mother is in danger, because I have trained And I've learned and I have experienced and I continue to train as do all of my colleagues 
not just in OBGYN, but in family medicine and emergency medicine and lots of other fields as well. But are the lawyers going to see it the same way when they look at this case retrospectively? And am I going to stuck be, be stuck between committing malpractice and committing a crime because I'm taking care of my patient and I'm trying to make a really difficult decision about what to do in the context of this complicated environment? You know, I have malpractice insurance in case there is a malpractice issue, but that doesn't cover criminal issues. So this poor doctor in Indiana who was being accosted by the attorney general had to hire a lawyer to defend her for doing nothing. She didn't do anything wrong. But now she's going through all of these things in the legal system that are completely unnecessary and really just meant to intimidate. And we're seeing this in other states as well. Luckily, like you said, we've got a supportive governor and AG, but in South Dakota, the governor has said that she will target OBGYNs and they only have 80. So the uh, you said that you're, you have malpractice insurance, but obviously what you said, you know, this, this doctor in Indiana had to lawyer up you know, do you think that's going to in, in, in incentivize her to take another abortion case down the road when now she's had to throw throw down $50,000 to defend herself? That's the first question. The second question is, like, it even if you win that case, even if you get clemency in Wisconsin, uh, isn't it, you know, from your, if you get dinged a number of times in, in the medical field, I don't really know the, the how, what it's called, but like there's people like OBGYNs have to sit for boards, you know, to get a be board certified. And, mm -hmm. and you if you want to move from hospital to hospital or get a medical license in another state, they look at how many complaints have been filed against you. Can you talk mm -hmm. about like like even even if everything's somewhat legal and you you, you don't aren't put in jail, your, your career can be ruined. Right. For sure. It's it's not even that arena. Like that's all of the medical stuff that they're keeping track of. This is criminal. So you have to report that criminal piece, but that's entirely different than all of the stuff that we have to do from a medical perspective in order to stay viable as a medical practitioner. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. I mean, it, I think what I was saying is uh, the big point here is that doctors, uh, when I started reading that doctors were you know, saying, oh, they, they didn't give her the right medical care, they let her bleed for two weeks, the doctors swore a Hippocratic oath. Mm -hmm. That irritates me a lot uh, mm -hmm. because because uh, it's not we should never blame the, the health care system for not being able to help a woman who needs to get an abortion or help mm -hmm. with a miscarriage. We have to focus mm -hmm. our attention on what just happened with Roe, because none of this stuff would be happening right now if Roe were still in, in play. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, people are just everybody's afraid and people are not getting the care that they deserve. The doctors are definitely playing conservative within the scope of they're trying not to commit malpractice. I mean, obviously we took an oath and we don't want to do that, but we're stuck between a rock and a hard place in many situations. Well, and sure. you know, let me, well, let me right. also speak to the physician shortage that we have. So if mm -hmm. we've got doctors leaving Wisconsin, we had a physician shortage before COVID and then COVID hit and we saw a mass, mi or mass migration of physicians. And now with this, I think physicians who are willing to provide obstetrical care, OBGYNs, family medicine doctors and others, are really reluctant to continue along this path. We've got obstetrical deserts here in Wisconsin. Minnesota's obstetrical deserts are very well documented. It, it remains to be seen what's going to happen in years to come, but it doesn't look good, especially for underserved and rural areas. Well, let's let's try as best we can because again, there is a lot of confusion and misinformation about you know what can and can't be done, what services and care do you have access to. So 
where do you suggest people turn for reliable information about the, the care that they can get? Mm-hmm. For abortion care, Planned Parenthood has a wonderful program set up that they can provide resources, information, even that initial visit to help you gather all the information that you need, as well as a pathway to get where you need to go for an abortion. But you know, your doctor is still your best resource, a trusted relationship with your doctor. We don't want to abandon you. We're going to do everything that we can to take the best possible care of you. You know, it's so this is such a hard situation, but we are committed. We took an oath and we're not going to bail. No, of course not. And and that's the thing, you know, pregnancy is not this Norman Rockwell thing that, you know, with, with binary choices, it's, it's very complicated, immense shades of gray that have to be better appreciated. Uh, so Kristen, thanks for, for the insight on that. When we come back, Sparta is the latest target for activists trying to kill public schools, believing only in religious schools and homeschools, because the zealots are no longer just after your body. They're now after your children's future. That's coming up next. You're up north. Won't you let me die? Kirk, what the hell was that? It's well, <laughs> it's Motley Crue. And it was shout of the devil because we're talking about this craziness happening in Sparta where this guy is all religious and he's burning books. And so uh, I just I just thought shout at the devil was like just as weird and nuts as what's going on in Sparta right now. Have That's you, why I picked this thing. Having never it, been a Motley crew, uh, I mean, do, does Air Supply do, do a version? I might have recognized it then. No. There's no Hollow Notes version either. Hey, but I'd like hey. to point out that we are on Devil's Radio, so or Devil Radio. Yeah, we we have that going for us. Pat, We're not every Pat, not every song can be like like smooth classic rock, <laughs> my friend. We have to get get into. We have to be a umbrella. We have a large tent here in you, the uh, progressive. You, you go ahead and be edgy for me, will you? Um, <laughs> Folks, imagine what is best for your children and the children of your community. Uh, That would naturally include a great school. And Wisconsin was a worldwide leader in ensuring that any child could get an education, not just the children from families with money and means. Our public schools have been national leaders in quality. But imagine that somebody else has a different view of how your children should be treated. Imagine a consultant comes into your town who brags like this, and and I quote, our consulting firm begins by helping clients build local political credibility through defeating local funding proposals, which are required by law to receive voter approval. Levies, opt-outs, and general obligation bonds are our specialty. Our clients have defeated nearly 80% of funding proposals that we've competed in. This same consultant has a website with a section entitled Why I Defeat School Board Bond Levies and Do It for a Profit. Again, you don't have to imagine this. This is very real. It's happened throughout the Midwest, not much in Wisconsin, but it's come to Sparta. And that's where Kirk comes in with our guests. All right. So joining us tonight are two women from Sparta, uh, Ashley uh, Ashley Barons and Hallie Weibel. And Ashley reached out to me a couple weeks ago uh, after their school referendum for $2.1 million was defeated by only 59 votes. 
she wrote to me a really a, a tough letter for me to read. It was distraught because she said a group of citizens in her town hired this guy named Paul Dorr, who's from Copperhead Consulting out of Iowa, to feed their community a lot of misinformation and to persuade them to vote against guess what, improving their public school, which should be a no brainer, especially when funding for public schools all throughout Wisconsin have taken a beating uh, by the legislature. So if this wasn't bad enough, this guy named Paul Doerr and, you know, Ashley kind of talked, you know, let me know about him, but I did some research myself. And I mean, this guy's got a criminal record for burning books about the LGBTQ uh, community. And, you know, he's been fined, he's been convicted, and he's publicly stated that he wants to eliminate public education altogether in favor of private Christian schools or homeschooling schooling your kids with religion. Uh, we'll talk more about this, but I just wanted to thank uh, Ashley and Joanie, Hallie for joining us. Thank you guys. Thanks Thank you. for having us. All right. So first question is this, and then and then uh, everyone else can follow up. But can you tell us why a group from Sparta, a group of Wisconsin parents or just citizens in Sparta, would hire an Iowan known for burning books to kill your public school referendum? What's the story? Honestly, I I, I don't even know where to start. Um, his puppet, her name is Emily Dyfenbaugh. He has no children in our school district, and I, I honestly have no idea why they are doing this. How they got recruited, I, I don't know. I do know, what was it, 21,000, Hallie? Yes. Our, some of our citizens paid him to come in and do this. The so majority, what was the the majority of, the of the people that support him are from one or two major churches in our area, um, one of which was already pretty anti-public education to begin with, but um, it seems like the big donors all came from the same church or two. And it was this, it, it was this Copperhead Consulting that we're talking about here and that I, I mentioned in the intro that just comes right out and says two things. One, we will defeat, you know, all referenda, all spending is bad. And, and again, let me emphasize that all spending is bad. That is saying we want public schools to go away because, and this is the other thing you glean from their website and articles about them, they get hired by people who simply, you know, they don't want their taxes raised, but they'll come in and help them to not get their taxes raised. But their real motivation is literally to kill public education and instill Christian education um, and, or, you know, at home education. Hallie, was, was this known kind of early on when Paul Doerr and Copperhead Consulting came in, or was it another case like we've seen, you know, snake oil salesmen throughout time come in and sell a product and they were practically out of town before people realized what was going on? That's exactly right, Pat. Um, it seemed like they came in very close to the election time with a lot of misinformation. This is not a, a referendum that we were trying to expand anything. It was an operating budget referendum, which is what public schools have relied on since Act 10 passed. We just had to move money from one account to another in order to pay staff and to keep the, the services and to keep up the programming that had been offered. So it was very frustrating. The misinformation going out in our newspapers, on our radios, was saying that it was going to raise their taxes if we passed it, but we actually had proven many times that it was, the mill rate wasn't increasing at all. 
the money was there. We were not asking for new money. We were asking to move, like Hallie said, money from one account to another. Which to should not be something. Money. Should that be something you have to go to the voters to do? This is this is almost routine accounting, but again, it's rooted in an anti-public education bent that we've had in the Republican-run legislature. You know, since the 2010 elections, when they came in to do everything possible to make it more difficult for, for public education, which I, I would imagine, Ashley, was difficult enough during the pandemic. I'm, I'm sure the last couple of years were like everywhere else. I'll bet they were rough on, on Sparta kids and Sparta teachers even before any of this started. Yeah, I mean, it was a noticeable kind of downfall, you know, less and less funding and teachers leaving the district and students leaving the district. You know, it and just since the Pandemic, but the yeah, the pandemic really hurt. So, ladies, I mean, it takes a lot of guts to be here telling the story. You live in a small town; everybody knows everybody. You guys are both from Sparta originally. I can't imagine how this is tearing the fabric of your community apart. Where do you go from here? I mean, this seems like a no-brainer, and now you're really stuck. So, what happens next? Well, that's, I mean, that's, I guess, why we're here. We just, we want to get the word out. Um, I don't want to see this happen all across the state. You know, the, our kids deserve better. And it, Absolutely. it's sad. It's sad. Very so much let so. me, let me follow up. So, I mean, this happened in Sparta. You guys don't have, uh, you don't have the money that you need for next year. Uh, so you no, got to probably Sparta reduce. We have unfortunately had to close an elementary school, which really angered a lot of parents. So now we have this perfect funding storm going on where parents are pulling their children from the district and the staff of that elementary have quit and are going elsewhere. So every child that leaves our district is more funding gone. Yeah. So now we're losing even more funding on top of that. And um, the last I've heard for numbers is that there are over 50 teachers in our district alone who have left this summer. Wow. So they've cratered Sparta education. Um, but the reason another thing that Ashley mentioned when she's when she reached out to me a couple weeks ago was that like, she's like, listen, it happened to us already. We, uh, you know, Sparta is going to suffer. But but part of what your mission is to warn other communities about Paul about this guy, like Paul Dore and his consulting firm. And you said, somehow he's managed because Sparta is like between like lacrosse and eau claire and he's managed to go to what's this other city that's really close to you guys uh what's black, black river falls. black river falls so so he's moving so what this is this guy still in sparta or is he now moving to other cities what's going on he was actually in sparta maybe a month or so ago i think that's about right yeah they had a, a solemn assembly and i don't i didn't go i couldn't my son was playing ball that night um but I heard maybe 50 people showed up. Some were from Black River, some from Sarda. Um, and I don't know how many were there in support of him or just to beat ears and gather some information. Yep. I had a friend that attended so that she could kind of get an understanding of what was being said. And she said it was like they started out subtle and then it went like snake oil after that. It was incredibly, very, very religious um and to the point of like don't trust because we have parochial schools in sparta that are always an option for people who want a religious education for their children and this guy is saying those aren't even good enough they're not 
faithful enough. They're full of the government. They're full of the devil. So yeah, he was really pushing hard that, you know, we should not have public schools at all. I found it very intriguing that looking on their website, um, they they have mapped out all the places where they have played uh, with one color dot for when they win, one color dot for when they lose, one color dot for when it's kind of a split decision. And as of this evening, when I looked at it, there were no dots in Wisconsin. There were in Minnesota, Iowa, the Dakotas, Illinois. I don't know what it is that that kept them, you know, from from you know coming to Wisconsin sooner. But you're you're telling me, you know, that they're already in it at least their second city, if not more. Uh, all the more reason to get information out about this. And I guess you you obviously want to focus mostly on what what can you do in Sparta. Like you said, you're you're from there. You're not somebody that's just passing by. You you want to be a taxpayer in Sparta. But I imagine you're you're sorely tempted to try to, you know, whether it's in Black River or any place else, kind of warn folks. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. I think what, you know, it looks like he uses the same tactics everywhere he goes. He definitely mm-hmm. has, um, he approaches faith communities. He approaches um, people to, and he has them use children to canvas and hand out flyers. Mm-hmm. There, there is such an article. Uh, one, one particularly good article is about um, what what he and and his ilk did in Worthington, Minnesota, and how you, you the the article paints a picture of a of a town that um, you know is is friendly and united. And then during one of their big community events, you know, as you mentioned, there were children who were handing out flyers, and these were the first seeds of doubt about what had been essentially a, a no-brainer but first they start beating the tax drum and then you know it it just spirals from there to till you have a town you know that is that is broken so the these are these are tactics yeah that they've they've covered you know Kristen they've the, these things have gone from town to town and it, it kind of I mean you're up in the northeastern part of the state normally um, you have to think it won't be long till it's it's hitting your end of the state as well yeah, I mean, a referendum is always scary. It would be great if we had consistent school funding and school funding was appropriately uh, organized here in the state, but we know that that system has been broken because of the Walker administration. So we've got a lot of work to do on all levels. But I think my biggest concern is I, I'm all about community building and I live very close to the place where I grew up and I'm still connected with the people I grew up with. And I'm just looking at you too and I, I just want to know that you're going to be okay. I mean, Hallie you are an educator and you're no longer in Sparta. Tell us how, how did you decide to leave and what's next for you? Well, Sparta has had um, a a litany of problems over the years, but it also has some wonderful, wonderful things here. So my choice to leave was nothing to do with anything about this. It was really just an opportunity elsewhere that I took. but I chose to remain here in my hometown, my hometown. I chose to keep my children here. Um, I'm a foster parent locally and my children from foster care attend and have, we have really been just thrilled with the education our children have received from the Sparta district. And honestly, if everyone that has faith in the district pulls their kids and leaves, I feel like that's not going to help my community and that's not going to help these teachers who are staying. And so I just really decided that 
you know, my kids are lucky that they have a strong advocate for their education and that I'll never, you know, give up on, on pushing. But um, yeah, this is this is my hometown and this is where I want to be. And I want to see it heal and move forward and find a way to fix this this issue. So, you are so right. So to me, this is like this is like some crazy Western movie where this guy comes in from from an other place, like a snake oil, but snake oil salesman, exactly what it is. But the vision is that he just comes in and just screws up everything and takes everybody for a ride and then leaves. Like, but but this is this happened a hundred years ago. Why is it happening now? Like, how did he co-opt your media in Sparta? Like, how did he how did he what, what did he do in the papers and what did he do in the radio? What, what might other cities find them doing? We got about two minutes left. Uh, uh, Ashley, can you answer that? Well, okay. I, I mentioned his puppet, Emily Divenbaugh. She is part of the Republican Party here in Monroe County. So a lot of help came from the Republican Party. Um, you know, I didn't really see anything from him. It was all from her. So right. He, and that, and he, that it's it's about using those those proxies, yeah. if you will, and that's because yeah. he's he's actually built up quite a name for himself. He's been at this since 1993. In fact, the Minnesota Association of School Administrators once held a statewide conference called "School Finance Elections and the Paul Door Factor: Get Ready or Get Defeated," and even came up with a rapid referendum response guide. But that was in 2006. And he's still racking up uh, the, these little victories and things. And it's it's so unfortunate. Uh, we have run out of time, Ashley. Hallie, thank you okay. so much. And we wish you all the best going forward. Thanks for thank having you guys. us. All right. We'll be back to wrap up the show after this. You're up north. You may say. I love me some John Lennon, not gonna lie. Thanks as always to our radio hosts, Double Radio 92.7, The Shaw 101.1 FM, and WAUK 540 AM. You can use the Double Radio app to catch the show anytime, or get the podcast version of the show from all the usual places, or the show's website, upnorthpodcast.com. We also put the video version up on the Facebook page of Kirk's Monaco Brewing Company, right here and on YouTube. And you can find Pat's daily work, assuming that he makes it back to his chair and doesn't trip on his broken knee over yeah. at upnorthnewswi.com. As long as the fingers can get to a keyboard, that's all that matters. And <laughs> soon there will be a new place to catch Pat's daily work. And uh, so I first need to thank Kirk for putting me in a position to set up the news that I'm about to share with everybody. Kirk isn't the only one who's noticed a lack of balance on the airwaves of Wisconsin media, especially up north. It feels like we've been talking about this for a generation. Well, in that time, a whole lot of minds have been filled with poison, venom, misinformation. And it comes back to what we were saying earlier, how it was once unimaginable that zealots and liars would rule the roost. But when you surrender an entire media ecosystem to extremists, 
they become the de facto mainstream for the audience that remains. It's part of why I co-founded Up North News, to ensure that the digital media ecosystem on websites and Facebook and Twitter had a news source that was fact-based and adhered to ethical standards and also wasn't afraid to stand for something. And we've done a pretty good job at that with tens of thousands of followers and subscribers and now listeners. So it's time to take that to the next step. Uh, Kirk had the vision to set up a weekly show. Now I am branching off to start a daily radio show. Up North News with Pat Kreitlow will air weekday mornings from 8 to 11 a.m. starting Monday, August 1st, initially on a handful of stations up north. But that roster of stations is going to grow and will be online so you can listen live from pretty much anywhere. Kirk and Kristen are still going to get together with me once a week. But instead of Wednesday nights for an hour, I think we're going to shoot for an hour maybe on Wednesday mornings. Uh, It is long past time that Wisconsin News Talk Radio was pleasant again factual again, tackling misinformation instead of regurgitating it. We'll have some fun along the way, but uh, Kirk, again, I have to thank you for the role you played in getting the ball rolling. I appreciate that, Pat. I really do. And, uh, you know, I, this was, this was, my idea was to do this, but I could never have done it without a seasoned professional. I would have just sounded like a two-bit hack if I had done this myself. And you (laughs) added legitimacy because you have such a great history in broadcast journalism and and, and writing and and everything. So thank you so much for being our anchor here on the show. I can't wait to move into a new format with you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted to, I wanted to say, you know, this idea of bringing progressive news, real news to rural Wisconsin is is not something I ever really wanted to do. Like if I had my druthers, I ran for Congress just like you did, Pat, mm-hmm. and uh, and Kristen ran for assembly. I hated it. I hated every bit about that campaign. I went, my wife uh, was had cancer and I decided to buy a brew pub specifically to get away from politics. Uh, I, I was happy to go surfing and to sing on my stage in my brew pub for the rest of my days. I was, but the one problem is, is I cannot stand unfairness and injustice and, and lying and corruption. And, and it was happening all around and it happened so badly uh, during the pandemic that I said, we have to do something. We have to do something. And so, so I, we, 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 I don't want to be a jerky politi- politician guy. I want to do what this song said that I played. And I want us all to hopefully get to a place in Wisconsin where, where we can be a better place. Uh, and you, know, so you may say I'm a dreamer and I'm not the only one. Oh, we I are hope, too. I hope someday you'll join us and the world <laughs> will be one. We can get there because we're telling the truth in uh, progressive truth in northern Wisconsin, and we're going to get to that place. And, and, and thank you, Pat, and thank you, Kristen, for being there with me. We're fellow dreamers. I can I get a hell yeah for the dreamers? <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Kirk. Thank you, Kristen. Um, with that, we got to go because uh, Kristen needs time to to raid the fridge there, uh, the beer fridge, before <laughs> she gets kicked out of the Monaco Brewing Company. So, again, thanks to our guests. Thank all of you for joining us. We are taking next week off, and then we will be back for a pre-primary election special, talking about the importance of voting August 9th. So we'll see you in two weeks here up north.